Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Learning. I'm Taryn H. DeLong, Managing Editor of Digital Content at Training Industry, here with my co-host, Sarah Gallo, an editor at Training Industry. This episode of the Business of Learning is brought to you by Realize It. Realize It is on a mission to transform workforce training and drive learning innovation for large-scale organizations. The Realize It first-of-its-kind adaptive learning platform is powered by a self-learning engine fueled by machine learning. Realize It delivers unprecedented levels of precision in corporate training and learning by leveraging the power of adaptivity and personalization at scale. This allows companies to transform from a conventional one-size-fits-all content-centric learning model to one that is knowledge-based and performance-linked for every employee. To learn more, please visit realizeitlearning.com. Although the concept of adaptive learning isn't new, it's perhaps more relevant than ever. After all, we live in a world of automation where everything from the TV shows we watch to the products we buy are personally recommended based on our unique needs and preferences. And the corporate training world is no different. Today's learners are looking for personalized training solutions and businesses expect L&D to deliver them. To learn more about adaptive learning, we're speaking with Manoj Kolkarni, Chief Executive Officer at Realize It. Manoj, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, it's great to be here. Let's start by setting the stage for today's conversation. Why are we talking about this topic? Why is adaptive learning so important for learning and development professionals to understand? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, when you really think about adaptive learning, it's not a new concept. It's something that's always been talked about. I think the question is, why is it becoming more and more relevant today? I mean, recent surveys have talked about the fact that when L&D executives are being surveyed for what they believe are the trends shaping the evolution of workplace learning, personalization, adaptivity, adaptive delivery, and learning analytics have been consistently in the top two for the past four years. So definitely it is top of mind to people. And I would say that there are a few things that are shaping that desire. One is that we are increasingly in a world of digital businesses, as you said, you know, both from a consumer standpoint, as well as um, on a business context, increasingly, the whole notion of a business being transformed into a digital operations is causing two things. One is that learning has to become digital as well. But there's a huge amount of obsolescence of skills or transference of skills from the way things will be done to more of a digitally enabled operations. And that definitely is a shift. Furthermore, for the longest period of time, L&D executives have, and business executives have always been frustrated with understanding the value of training and learning within the context. Certainly, they understand it from a compliance perspective. But it's always been the question in terms of how do you articulate the value of learning? So consistently, uh, surveys talk about the fact that uh, there's a big demand for learner engagement and measurement. Over two-thirds of the companies believe that being able to critically measure learning is really important to achieving critical learning outcomes. I mean, 27% of them believe that their learning strategy and their learning operations actually has an effective way of measuring that learning. So leaders are still seeking better ways to measure their programs. And COVID doesn't really take away. In fact, it exacerbates the issue because more and more employees are remote. 
the rate of adoption of new ways of doing business has just accelerated, which means the corporate training resources have become all the more important, whether it is for intercompany communications, whether it's for onboarding, whether it's for ongoing training needs. So there's definitely a shift in terms of how workforce operates and how learning and training has to A, do two things. One is keep in, in line with that as well as make that happen, which essentially means that the whole notion of how things were done before which is a one-size-fits-all, more traditional way of doing things, no longer works, which means that things have to be done within the flow of work. They have to be more personalized. So I think those are really the factors that are contributing today to really getting personalized learning and adaptive learning at the top of it. It's also almost an expectation of employees coming in to be able to get things that are more personalized and meaningful and relevant to them. And the more that things are given to them that are not meaningful or relevant, it becomes a challenge to be able to engage folks and, and get the value out of learning for that. So I think that's really what is driving today's interest in, as a trend in terms of uh, why adaptive learning is, is bubbling to the top. Perfect. Great. Well, to take a step back a bit, Manoj, why don't you actually define what we mean when we say adaptive learning? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question because I think the challenge with, with most of anything in technology is that the jargon takes over and, and uh, there's so much confusion and so many shades and colors of it that it becomes difficult to understand what does what is adaptive learning and what does it look like, right? So, And certainly technology systems don't help. They actually add to the confusion associated with it. So let's step back a little bit and let's take a basic definition of what it means to adapt. And it's all about making it fit, right? You can use words like accommodating, adjusting, conditioning, forming, shaping, editing it, fitting it, suit, tailoring it. You know, but those are really the words that you would come to mind when you talk about adaptive. And then adaptive means that something that is given to adaptation using some, some mechanisms associated with that. So, you know, in the, in the, in the purest sense, adaptive learning is something that is that moves away from sort of the one-size-fits-all and fundamentally is a teaching and learning method that can provide tailored, optimized, customized ways of teaching and learning to learners. And the purpose of that is to be able to really serve the unique needs of every individual. It is respecting the fact that every individual is different that every individual has different needs and they pursue learning with a purpose and to be able to meet the needs of that individual learner's purpose becomes the simplest definition of adaptive learning. It's not new. I mean, if you really read the literature going back all the way to 1960s, like V.F. Skinner, who uh, came up with the notion of the teaching machine uh, and the book is Technology of Teaching, but Those are really the concepts around adaptive learning to be able to really adapt to the unique needs of every learner. A lot of times learning is designed to be more one-size-fits-all and one way of doing things. Learning is all about, a lot about content. The way learning works today is more around the learner has to shape to the content. Adaptive learning takes a different approach in the sense that you put the learner and the learning at the center, and then say, how should resources, content, teaching, training, coaching, need to shape to be able to really help the learner be successful? 
great. Another term we've often heard in this space is enterprise adaptivity. Do you have a definition for that term for us? Yeah. So let's step back a little bit and just understand what's going on in an enterprise today and then how it applies in the workplace to learning, right? Individuals are making significant investments to learn. Organizations are making significant investments to be able to train their people. The training and learning, whether you like it or not, is a high-stakes endeavor for organizations as well as people. I mean, learning is profoundly personal to begin with. People, we all as, as individuals learn what we need to learn because it is profoundly personal to us. We get some value out of it. And we're all unique in terms of where we start and what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to get. So that becomes a dynamic associated with learners within a workplace environment. By the same token, organizations themselves are extremely unique in today's world, changing more frequently and more rapidly to be able to make that. And learning, therefore, needs to happen. And actually, it happens in the flow of work. It's just that more Structured learning happens outside the flow of work, but real learning happens both in a structured and an unstructured way to make that happen. So the implications for leaders is really around the notion of how do you use learning and training and make it more effective, more efficient, more meaningful, more relevant, more agile to do that. And the way to think about that is this notion of enterprise adaptivity, right? That it's not just a lot of the learning that happens is really focused on learner and content, but there is more to to that in an in a workplace context that needs to become adaptive. So the characteristics of an enterprise adaptivity model would be that a first and foremost it meets the needs of all the stakeholders in the learning ecosystem. There are more stakeholders in the learning ecosystem than just the learners. There are trainers, there are instructors, there are leaders, there are managers. There are uh, course developers and course designers or learning experience designers. And the model of adaptivity has to be able to support the needs of all of those. Then there is modes and methods of learning in the ecosystem. It's not one way of doing things. It's not an indictment on classroom training and saying that needs to go away and it needs to be replaced with something else. There are many ways in which learning happens. It happens in the classroom. It happens outside the classroom. It happens in a group-based setting. It happens in a one-on-one coaching session. It happens self-directed on your own. It happens on structured time. It happens on an on-demand basis. And a true enterprise adaptivity should be able to support all these modes and methods of learning, as well as all the reasons and uses of learning. So whether it is onboarding or whether it is just giving people performance support, which is I just need to learn in the moment at the time. That's essentially what it is. So enterprise adaptivity essentially is taking a holistic look at the L&D function and making it adaptive, right? Not just making the learning part of it adaptive, but making the, the design, the delivery, and the operations aspect of it. So it becomes data-driven, it becomes evidence-based, and, and it becomes agile. That is really the power and the promise of what adaptive learning can do, but it needs to scale to the scope and complexity and size of the enterprise and be able to deliver it. So those are really some of the characteristics of how I would put enterprise adaptivity, because at the end of the day, adaptive learning is doing three things. One is optimizing the learning. Two is maximizing the learning. 
Three is making the learning meaningful and, and relevant, but it needs to be able to do it for all forms, all types of learning, and for all the stakeholders within the organization. That would be the definition of enterprise adaptivity in terms of value. Anything less than that, you're just getting limited value. You're doing pieces of adaptive learning, but really not being able to finally get to answering the question around ROI at an enterprise level of what does learning and training actually deliver in terms of value. So to answer that question, if done right with enterprise adaptivity, it should be able to tie it to a business strategy, to the to the brand promise, to the brand value associated with it, and really create a strong link between in two things. One is organizational needs and how learning can serve that at an organization level, but also create a very strong link between individual learning and individual performance as well. Thanks. This seems like a really important point that it goes beyond just one training program. It's really a big picture enterprise level look at what, what learning means in the organization. Yep. Right. So now that we've kind of taken a look at what, you know, just defining terms, what about the processes behind them? What does adaptive learning look like? How does it work? Great question, because this is where all the confusion starts, right? In terms of there are, it's like going to Baskin Robbins and seeing a whole basket, you know, a whole uh, uh, array of of options. Is it different flavors of an ice cream? Is it the new Coke machine that allows you to do things? You know, just to give some analogies around that, I think there's a lot of confusion around it. But let's just dive into what the basics of the pieces would be before we do that. So, you know, one of the things that when we and we've been, I've been doing this for almost a decade, over a decade now in different contexts, whether it's academic context or corporate learning context or professional education context. And when people ask the question, it's like, so what does it do? So how does it work? So how, and the first question that we always uh, say, okay, it's sort of a means towards an end. Not sort of, it is a means towards an end. In that sense, then the question that really should be asked is what jobs need to be done? What is the job for adaptive learning? in an enterprise, because if we understand that, then we can understand how it needs to work or what the essential components of it. So the role of it at a high level for any enterprise until they get down and really try to find out what are their specific issues with it. And I got, you know, I can give you a couple of examples in terms of how people are really looking at that. But first and foremost, it is to be able to really amplify and enable the intimacy uh, that's needed to be created in learning today. Right, personalization at scale requires a great deal of intimacy to be created with learning. Learners are not engaged because they don't know what it means to them or why they need to spend their time to make that. So, creating that intimacy really becomes an important aspect of, of adaptive learning. Then it needs to be able to scale to the size of the enterprise. So, it needs to become easy to be able to enable that. And when it is easy and you've done that, it it helps maximize the achievement of the learner. And we always talk about the fact that at the end of the day, learning is not the outcome. Performance is the outcome or knowledge is the outcome. So the question is, how does learning help in terms of maximizing the achievement of every individual so they can perform optimally in their jobs, in their roles today, current job, and the one that they need to go to next or aspire to go to next? 
And the one thing that is always a problem anywhere that we see is the time that needs to be provided and the effort needs to be put in there and how do you optimize the effort required for every learner to make to do that. And with that, what happens is L&D starts becoming more and more agile to the needs of the business. And, you know, usually the definitions of that would be that it becomes digital, it becomes intelligent, it becomes adaptive, it's evolving continuously and valuable to do that. So to make all that work, there are a lot of moving parts that can happen within, but there are four different categories that I would suggest to take a look at. One is when you talk about how does adaptive learning work, it says, well, what adapts? What is it that adapts? What is the basis for that adaptation? What, you know, what are the drivers? What are the influencers to do that? How does it do that? Having the data towards what it needs to adapt, what are the mechanisms that it can put in place to do that? And then given all those three, to what outcomes does it need to get applied? So what adapts? Learning resources. Uh, your content can adapt. Learning experiences can adapt. The pathways that somebody has to take, not every person needs to go through the same pathway. Some may come with experience, some may not come with experience, some may have forgotten it, some may still retain that information. So the pathway that every individual needs to take cannot be assumed to be the same because then that's where you start wasting people's times or you just leave some people behind. So what needs to adapt is the learning journey and the pathway. But at the same time, in other contexts where you are actually doing learning and train, uh, training people, where somebody is actually helping other people learn, whether they're instructors, trainers, mentors, coaches, uh, support folks, that needs to adapt as well. How do you change instruction? How do you change guidance? How do you change support based upon what really people need to learn? So that's the what adapts part of it. And then based on, based on what? You know, it needs to adapt to a context. You may be in different geographies. You may be in different languages. You may have different policies and procedures depending on where those organization boundaries are. You may want to adapt based on engagement, how engaged are people. You may adapt based on how, how much knowledge people are coming in and how well they progress and what their gaps are and how much of the knowledge is decaying. So those are really how, you know, those are the, the, the building blocks, if you will, of adaptive learning. And in terms of techniques, there are a lot of people and, you know, obviously a lot of this gets uh, enabled through technology because doing it at scale becomes really hard to, to make that happen. But the techniques that are used in adaptive learning would be more atomic learning, that rather than doing big course learning, it's more fine-grained and granular, that you have the ability to really target resources that are more appropriate for people. And then there's the whole notion of measuring measuring engagement and measuring knowledge retention and knowledge performance associated with it, all towards the goals of really understanding how to get somebody to be competent in the shortest possible path, in both in terms of distance as well as time that it takes to do that. So you're reducing the effort to make that happen. So typically then adaptive learning then becomes anchored in certain things that people are looking for. They're looking for reducing the time to learn. They're looking to increase the usage of learning. They're looking to increase the engagement of learners in the learning. They want to respect the prior knowledge associated with it or close knowledge gaps associated with it, increase the confidence. But those are really the three building blocks that you do. What adapts, what is the basis for adaptation, and what are the mechanisms that are used to do that? And then the mechanisms of adaptation, there really are two mechanisms uh, that are used, but most of 
what you would see today is a combination of it. One is more, you know, sort of more heuristic rules-based pattern stuff. If you see this stuff, then you need to see this, then you need to see this. And that certainly is is what you see in the marketplace. And then sort of the emergence of machine learning and algorithms and AI to be able to drive that much as we experience it in a consumer context in terms of how things are personalized for us based upon data. That is really the basis that adaptive learning is taking shape. And that's one of the reasons why, back to why is it now become the topic. It's become topic because it's become viable to make it happen and deliver the value at scale. And technology, particularly through data and machine learning and AI, makes it makes it possible to be able to operate at this complexity at an enterprise level. Perfect. Amanoj, you mentioned the importance of adapting based on context. Do you have any tips on companies looking to adapt their learning programs for learners based on cultural context? Maybe they have learners in different parts of the globe. Do you have any tips on how they they can consider those contexts? Yeah, typically what we find in those things is that there already is a mechanism in these organizations to be able to really understand what those cultural aspects are. I mean, they will always be they'll always be in the place that if you're in one in one context that people have put some mechanisms in place to be able to take those into account. The way it happens typically is, and this is different for different organizations, some may be centralized and then they diffuse it, others may be totally decentralized in terms of how they manage the stuff and we come across all of them. But the basis is that do you have, and it, it gets a lot of focus on content. It's like, no, the content is different. Well, the content may be different, but what they need to learn and why they need to learn that is essentially the same. What you need to adapt to is some of the is some of the cultural concepts and context associated with that, which becomes more of a resources piece. So when we do and when we suggest to folks in terms of how they need to do, we sort of do it in two ways, which is separate what it is that they need to learn and what is the reason that they need to learn. So the knowledge needs to separate from the content, in which case then you can apply cultural nuances to a particular context, but at the end of the day, you know uniformly that the knowledge that somebody needs to know to be able to do their jobs is can be measured homogeneously, as opposed to today not being able to measure across it. So really, it is about the notion of separating knowledge and the, the purpose of the knowledge from the content, and then and then really putting cultural nuances at the content level rather than at the knowledge level. There may be some reasons why the the knowledge itself may be different, but then you know that you're dealing with two pieces of knowledge, not the same piece of knowledge associated with it. So separating the, the, the whole notion of everybody tries to put everything into content, and that's why it, it carries a huge burden on doing everything. But the more that you can separate content into knowledge and purpose, and, and resources, it becomes easy to be able to organize those along the cultural nuances. Stepping back to the concept of enterprise adaptivity, do you have any examples you can share of, of what that looks like in practice, you know, becoming a more adaptive organization? 
Yeah, I think it's, it's different for different organizations, and certainly the size of the organization and the complexity of the organization, you know, really matters. But you know, invariably, when I've seen these things uh, take shape, it always starts with a purpose. You know, it's like, well, why are you looking at this stuff? What do you really want to get out of it? Back to what are the jobs that need to be done? And they could be different things. I mean, we've seen we've seen a need for really connecting with remote frontline employees, right? And in some cases, let's say in an oil and gas, they could be on ships and you rarely see them. And the cost of training them by bringing them, you know, on shore and putting them in class is huge. So the question is, how do you train them where they are? And how do you really gather evidence, the fact that they are trained associated with it, right? We've seen in other contexts where it's a high-risk operation and you can't really put the person on the job until you know for sure that they've been trained. But there's only one way of training things and and you don't really understand. And the point over there is how do you quickly get somebody, what's the fastest way to be able to get them trained as opposed to saying they have to go through this training, they have to do this stuff. We don't care what they came with. We don't care the rate at which they learn. We don't care how they learn it. It's just the same thing that people have to do. So in that context, it really tends to be more, and we see that more in an onboarding context, which is how do you onboard better? How do you onboard faster? You know, using adaptive learning. Increasingly, we're seeing more and more of in the flow of work, which is how do you provide learning in the flow of work Uh, And how do you provide training in the flow of work? I mean, learning happens two ways. You know, you learn on your own, and somebody else has to help you learn, particularly with on-the-job, in-the-flow-of-work, on-the-field training. We're seeing those examples where, again, it's a question of how do you optimize training. I mean, almost everyone that we see, the ROI is around reducing the time to learning while improving the assurance of learning, meaning that you know for sure that they do it. One of the big questions that we ask when we talk to people is, I know you do a lot of training and you deliver it, but you've delivered. You, all you know is you've delivered it, and all that you know is that they might have used it. But how do you know that they really know what you wanted them to know? And that assurance is what is important. So as you have an organization that's complex with more frontline employees that need to be trained, it becomes important. We've seen examples of it being used for more cross-training or getting to a point where you want somebody who's in a role today to be able to do, to get into another role and what's the fastest way to be able to get somebody or who are the people who need the, you know, who can really be trained to be able to get that. So that's more of a talent management and a talent planning kind of context in which adaptive learning can be used. And then the other one is really around you know, as change happens within the organization and knowledge gets obsolete, if COVID came in and you needed to change your procedures about how you do COVID, how do you know who really needs to know that change and absorb the change and how do you help them really absorb the change? So, you know, in most cases, these tend to be this whole notion of how do you really individualize and personalize and bring in precision to where the learning needs to happen and to what purpose it? But those are really the broad swath of reasons and uses and use cases that we see in terms of where adaptive is, is, is being applied to improve 
some value that learning needs to provide for a particular purpose. Great. Well, we had talked about machine learning and AI before and how those are really just shaping this space, not to mention many other other spaces. But of course, navigating those technologies can be difficult. Do you have any insight on the difference between adaptive technology versus your so-called traditional learning technologies and really selecting the right technology for your learning program? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. It's a very relevant question. It's a question that everyone asks in terms of what do we need to do. I think we have some resources that we've created to kind of help that as well. But I would say at a high level, the sort of difference between what I would call as traditional and, you know, adaptive is, first and foremost, the question that needs to be asked is, what is a level of intelligent adaptation that it can do? I mean, we certainly talked about the enterprise adaptivity model in terms of what adapts, for whom it adapts, how does it adapt, and you know, for what use cases. I think the ability to really understand the intelligence that is built in, whether you have to code that intelligence through a rules-based capability or whether it's built with machine learning and AI, I think that's one of the basis of what of how the differentiation should be looked at, I would say take a look at the intelligent adaptation associated with it. The second part, I think, is really this notion of precision, right? To be able to individualize, to be able to personalize, to be able to make it meaningful to an individual, whether you're training them or whether they're trying to find their own information to be able to do their jobs well, it needs a level of precision for that individual to be able to understand knowledge gaps, to be able to understand you know, what they know and what they don't know. So one of the factors in evaluating, you know, any adaptive technology and seeing how robust or how uh, different it is from traditional stuff is really understanding the precision at which it operates. And what I mean by that is really understanding how does it build knowledge, what can it encapsulate in terms of content, and what can that be applied to the stuff. The more that it can be applied towards individuals' needs and the precision that can bring in place, that really is the differentiator associated with it. And then there are three other pieces that are important that once you have the basic capabilities to be able to make it adaptive, to actually make it adaptive within an environment, you want to understand, can it scale to the size and complexity of your business? What is the effort I mean, when we talk about this stuff, the thing that people say is like, oh, my God, how are we going to get to this stuff? Because it all sounds daunting. So the question becomes, how does the technology actually help in terms of being intelligent to be able to speed the process of transforming and converting to that, as well as the ease associated with it? Because there are barriers that are within your business that you know best in terms of what those could be that would prevent you from going to the the typical barriers that we see is content, not sufficient content, not having enough people, uh, not having enough time to do this stuff, not having a whole lot of capability to understand how to measure competency. So how much does the technology as well as the technology provider really provide you with the tools and the accelerators to help you make this transformation fast would be it. So I would say five components, the intelligence and the adaptation, the precision that it can afford in learning, 
the ability for it to be able to scale, the accelerators that allow you to operate at speed, and then the ease at which all of this can be done. Because this is a data-driven operation, what is transforming is that, you know, it's moving from just pushing content out to actually creating an evidence-based feedback loop that really tries to understand how to continuously uh, monitor and calibrate to make the learning more effective. So how does the technology actually support you in, in making the operations in an adaptive environment easy? It's one of the most overlooked aspects that we see in, in RFPs and evaluations and technology that people don't understand the impact of a data-driven operation, L&D operation and L&D function. And you want to make sure that the technology not only provides adaptive learning to the learner, but it also provides the ability to do data-driven operations easily for those who are responsible for managing and maintaining it and improving it and sustaining it. Thanks for laying that out for us. It can be kind of murky wading through the waters of learning technologies, so we appreciate that. All right, well, before we wrap up, Manoj, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with uh, and our listeners with today? Well, thank you, first of all, for the, time, for the time. I mean, this is fun. Just based on my experience, I would say a few things to just take away. One is, as one can imagine, these kind of things, it tends to be like the Russian search for finding the right uh, adaptive technology. Before you do that, understand that adaptive learning is a means towards an end. So you really need to figure out from a strategy perspective is that what are the meaningful ends, if you will, within your organization. Um, find that, identify that and prioritize that before you start choosing the means, which happen to be the right technologies for your organization. There's a lot of cultural context. There's a lot of legacy context. There's a lot about strategic context in what you need to do. So adaptive learning is not a procurement decision. It's, it's more of a strategic decision. And there are many, many flavors of adaptive technologies that focus on different things. Some focus on confidence measurement, some focus on knowledge decay, some focus on knowledge reinforcement, some focus on, you know, mastery aspect of it. What you want is understand the different purposes of adaptive and make sure that the technology that you're trying to select is multi-purpose and not just for one reason. If you choose something that's just for one reason, it'll probably do it well for that one reason. But you'd have to make a huge assumption that that is the one single factor that will change the context of providing value across the L&D for enterprise. So I would say the right technology should be able to enable and amplify and support your goals while keeping your philosophies, your mindsets, your processes all into and respecting those to do that. And by the same token, like I was saying, it's not a technology implementation. One of the things that we find in this context when you do adaptive learning is that, you know, you're really transforming, you know, as as we're talking about the topic of this podcast, it's like you're transforming the philosophy and the business of learning. It is a different way of conducting the business of learning. So the impact on the organization and the change associated with it is really, really key. But the good news about it is that the impact is positive across the board, you know, when you do that. And we've talked a lot about, I've talked a lot about enterprise. In all our uh, experience, and I can relate to this myself, of having been not only someone who's been helping other people do that, but I've been a technology executive for three decades. 
inside organizations, and I know how difficult it is to be able to bring innovation and move the needle on things and move the organization to be able to accept it. So none, none of this is going to happen at enterprise in, in the first go. So the right thing to do would be to start small, pilot it, prototype it, really understand what value you can get from it, but always keep the enterprise context in mind when you're looking for something like that. And I would say don't get stuck in experimentation. We saw we see a lot of stuff which is that people are just experimenting for years and years without understanding. That's that happens when you really don't have a very strategic context against which you're doing the innovation prototyping for it. So, you know, when you really looked at adaptive learning, it is a different way of doing things. And therefore you have to think about it from the standpoint of of really understanding how this innovation can really be brought inside your own organizations at the scale of your enterprise. Perfect. Well, with that, Manoj, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Great. It was, uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for giving me the time. For more insights on adaptive learning and to view the highlights from this episode in animation, check out the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. And as always, don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're always looking to hear your feedback on either today's episode or anything else you'd like to share with us. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.